Can I just be me today? I'm going to read the whole chapter of Psalm 91 over you right now. I feel like some of y'all need to hear it. Some of y'all need to get up in the morning and pray it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Oh, by the way, ain't it awesome that our president quoted Psalm 91? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Sing it, say it with me. My God in him while I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snow of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the viral that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays wait at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Somebody shout yeah! Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place. Somebody needs to shout verse 10. No evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall tremble underfoot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him in honor him and with long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Oh somebody ought to praise him for the promise of Psalm 91. Somebody ought to praise him for the protecting hand of God. Somebody ought to praise him for the shadow of the Almighty. Jesus, 2 Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Hey! Power, love, sound mind. No fear. Fear is a lie. Break out of that prison. Break out of that prison. Hmm. Fear is a lie. Am I your pastor? I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to a lot of people online right now as pastor of Solid Rock Church. But can I talk to you for the next few minutes of the people in this house as your spiritual father? I got to talk to you like your daddy right now. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're old enough to be my daddy. If you go to this church and I'm your pastor, I'm your spiritual father. And I need to talk to you. In 30 years of ministry, including 9-11, I've never seen anything like what I saw this week.
is one of the things I thought about this week. You can tell how much this nation has changed by what you don't see. When 9-11 happened, and I know it was a terrorist attack against our country, you saw flags everywhere. Democrats, Republicans, Independents, Christians, Atheists, Buddhists, Muslims, Agnostics, from all walks of life, they flew the flag in unity. I made a point as I was coming in today to see if I saw one single flag on somebody's car, and there's not one. Instead of unity, we've allowed the enemy to drive an even greater wedge in us. Fear is a lie. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen, see, when 9-11 happened, over 3,000 people were killed in one moment in New York City and in Washington and in Pennsylvania. But all you saw was maybe one or two ball games canceled. But everything is canceled. Everything is off. You can't watch baseball, golf, tennis, NASCAR. That's the one that almost blew up Alabama. That's when I thought, my God, somebody from the South is going to storm Washington, D.C. and say, that's enough. Nothing. They shut the world down. And I understand why they're saying they did it. understand it. Please stay with me. But we live in a cancel culture where we automatically defer to just canceling. We've become a give up people. If, if somebody says something you don't like, we raise up a mob to cancel you and destroy you. Make no mistake about it. I understand the seriousness. I understand the caution. I am not only your pastor, but I am many other pastors' pastor. Do you understand? I am a bishop in our network, and many call me their spiritual father and their pastor as they are pastoring their churches today. You can only imagine. Not only have I been praying for you and preparing for this moment and protecting my family, but this entire week I've been in communication with other pastors pouring into them from all over this country and all over this state, encouraging them, trying to give them words, listening to them. We are in this together. I do not judge. i got to say a couple quick things. I do not judge any pastor who made the decision to live stream only today. Here's why it's not my right nor your right to judge. You are not the pastor of the spiritual father of that congregation. God put them in that congregation, and it is their decision, not mine or not yours. But I'm seeing it. I'm seeing preachers speaking down at other preachers, either not cautious enough or too cautious. Where's your faith? I'm sick of it. 
Because the same division that's being driven into our country is definitely, ultimately trying to be driven within the house of God. There's only one place that God commands his blessing. Psalm 133 says, Behold how beautiful it is when my brethren dwell together in unity, in harmony. It is there I will command the blessing. If we're not unified, we can't expect to walk in the blessings of God. In fact, some had no choice. You say, well, anybody's had a choice. Let me tell you something about choice nowadays in the culture we live in. Yeah, maybe they don't, there's not a law written, watch these words, dot, 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 yet. Don't put it past them trying to pass a law to have the power to, to override the First Amendment, which is not just the freedom of speech, but the freedom of religion. Are y'all hearing me? But the culture in which we live in today, you don't even have to cancel a church or to ban a church or to destroy a church, all you got to do is get on social media, blow it up. And the reputation that a church has built 20 and 30 years in a community is gone. So pastors, I pray for them. Many of them had to make very difficult decisions. Especially those that are of larger churches. They're used to seeing even in the thousands. The sanctuaries are empty today. But I thank God that the pastors are still on the pulpit doing everything in their power, even through a camera lens, to try to speak into the people. Can I get an amen? So guard your heart and guard your mind. You don't know the pressures that pastors are under right now. I got the pressure of being a husband and being a father and being a, a papa. which is no pressure to be a papa, but the pressure of worrying about those. But then I have the pressure to deal with protecting this house and praying for each and every one of you. Can you only imagine the pressure of a pastor who has 5,000 people in his congregation who calls him pastor? Watch your mouth, people of God. The power of life and death is in your tongue. And if there's any moment right now you need to be speaking life and not death, it's right now. Are y'all hearing me online? Are we still online? Have they cut us yet? We're still good? All right. So let me say a few things and then I'm going to preach. I'm serious. I ain't even started preaching. I'm just talking to you. I have no idea what the future holds. If I did, I'd be worth a lot of money. I wouldn't be in debt if I knew what the future holds. Huh? When Amazon first came out, I'd have been the first one to buy stock. But I don't know what the future holds. But I do know where I stand. I don't know where you stand, but I know where I stand. I'm like Joshua. Choose you this day whom will you serve. For me and my house. Somebody finish it for me. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can tell you where this church stands. I can't tell you where you stand in this church, but I can tell you where this church, where the church you're standing in stands. 
And if you don't stand this way, we still love you. Hope you'll get there with us. But if you don't like it, there's a bunch of other churches out there that don't stand like this. If you can't hack it, get your jacket. Here it is. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power of the Word of God. We love our families, we love our friends, and we love our fellow citizens. Now, that's the shouting line. But now let me talk to you real quick as your father. We will also do whatever we have to do to make sure you feel safe and protected. We will get through this. When we come out of this, we will be stronger if we respond the correct way. Who knows what the government is about to ask us to do? Who knows what the government is about to mandate we do? I don't know. Can I be real with you? Can I be real with you? I hope it don't happen. But I will not be shocked if this week you hear a proclamation from our governor or maybe even our mayor asking all churches, regardless of size, to not meet. I heard, I don't want to get in too much trouble here, I'm trying to parse my words, but I watched the video of a state official, that's as far as I'm going to go, who has high authority in this state when it comes to this. It was not the governor. But a high official who has authority in this say this in a press conference yesterday when talking about houses of worship. He said, right now we're asking you not to meet. If you are going to meet, 250 or less, social distancing and all of that. And he said, if it comes to it, we have the authority to do whatever we suggest you do to make sure you do it. First of all, no, they don't. Second of all, there are ways that they can put that authority in their hands. That's why we need to pray for wisdom in our elected officials that they will not do something stupid that's going to cause more chaos. Now, I'm not saying that declaration of, of churches and all that is necessarily what I'm addressing, meaning stupid. I'm meaning that if you try to pass a law telling churches that they can't worship, the church ain't going to stand for that. That's not a threat. I'm just telling you, we're going to worship God. I said, we're going to worship God. I said, we're going to worship God. Oh, we're going to worship God. Can't nobody stop me from worshiping God with my brothers and my sisters. If i got to stand out in the middle of a field somewhere and worship God, I'll worship God. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I shall be in the midst of them. I'll praise Him. We'll buy a tent. We'll set up. My God, if they put the locks on the doors, we'll meet out in the grass beside Highway 79. Oh, my goodness, I can't wait to see the comments that I'm going to get on this one. Listen, if you see negative comments towards our church, towards anything I say, said, I appreciate your heart, but don't defend me. Don't get into any kind of debate. Let it go. I'm a big boy. It ain't the first time I've been, that somebody's come after me. It won't be the last. 
I can handle it. Don't get involved. Am I preaching? So you need to pray for your president, national leader, state and local. You need to pray for your pastor. You hear me? I need God's wisdom. We want to keep you safe. We want to let you know that your children are safe. Doing everything we can. We come in here and extra clean yesterday. Got wipes out there if you want them. I told our leaders, and I mean this with, with respect. This is not a lack of faith. This is me respecting you. I'm not going to stick my hand out at you and put you in an awkward position to make you shake my hand if you don't want to. Huh? But if somebody wants me to pray for them, you hear me? You somebody wants me to pray for them? I'm going to pray for them. Because I'm going to tell you something. The Bible tells us if any sick are among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. Lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. So if you don't want me laying hands on you, I ain't going to lay my hands on you. I can speak the word of God over you. I'm not going to force you. But if you want me to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you. I want you to know your pastor's going to pray for you. Also, I want you to take all kind of judgment off of yourself. If you feel any symptoms come on you, pray for yourself, pray for your family. If you choose to keep your family at home during one of these during this event, and we're still meeting here, choose to watch on live stream. But whatever you do, don't disconnect. Come on, give the Lord a praise for what I just said. Whatever you do, don't disconnect. Stay connected. We've made it easy for you. I don't know if I've, I didn't tell them to do this, so I don't know if they can do it or not. But it's real easy. SolidRockTV.com. SolidRockTV.com. It's all you got to know. That'll take you right to the live stream and the, and the replays. That takes you to our Facebook page. Uh, we're going to try to work it out to where some of those, some of you that are not on Facebook, we can find a way to direct the link to you there. Um, I'm not sure. Can anybody watch a, does anybody know if anybody can watch a video without having a Facebook, if it's on Facebook? If you go through the website and not on your phone, if you go through the website, you can watch it, right? Huh? Okay, right. Either one of them. Either one of them. SRC uh, Family. I think no, SRC family goes to our, we, our church website now. So it, it, it is now just go to solidrocktv.com and click on, no, no, you're talking about the replays. You're talking about the replays. Yes, you can watch the replays, but I'm talking about if you want to watch it live, you got to go to Facebook is what I'm saying, to the Facebook website. Okay. No, 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 no. I appreciate you, but that's not what I'm talking about. So in other words, you got to have a Facebook to watch it live. You can go to our website and watch the replay on Tuesday. We're going to try to figure out for a way for you to watch it live, even if you don't have a Facebook. Somebody say, no matter what, I'm not going to disconnect from Jesus or his body. Now, I'm going to share some things, and I'm almost through with my introduction. It's not a joke. I'm not going to keep you past 12. Oh, it's 11-11. How cool is that? Do y'all, is it weird how many times you look at your phone and it's the 11-11? Does anybody ever notice that? Am I the only one? I want to tell you something. As a pastor to pastors, I'm concerned for pastors today. 
I'm concerned for churches today because here's why I'm concerned. Most churches are not large churches. Most churches are small churches. In fact, in our area here, most churches average around 35 to 40 people. The average church size is 70. When, I, when you say average, you understand. Average means all of them in there and then divided by the total number. So in that average is the mega churches. So if you took out the mega churches and then you average the churches, it would be much smaller than 70. But even with all size churches, the average church size is 70. I tend to believe the true average of most churches is probably 50 or less. In most congregations, you only have 10 to 15% who ever give anything in offering. They receive children's ministry. They receive nursery ministry. Their cars are parked. Come on, somebody. They got lights. They got beautiful music. They get incredible preaching. They're, they're blessed. They're loved. And they never sow anything in the offering. Check one, two. Just like many of you are operating paycheck to paycheck and you could not imagine being without your income, imagine a church. Most churches go from Sunday to Sunday. Before you come against me and say, well, bless God, if God's in it, he'll take care of them. First of all, you don't even know the Word of God. You are full of yourself and you're not full of the Word of God. You don't even understand. The principle is sow and reap. That's how God blesses his people. He don't just have a money tree out back for you at your house or for a church. So the church is financed and funded through tithes and offerings and people's, people's give, giving. What is going to happen to these smaller churches when they're told they can't have church or they don't have the ability to live stream, online give, or whatever? We need to pray for those pastors in their churches because this is an attack of the enemy. This is a part of his agenda to come out of this virus and multiple congregations be shut down because they could not make it. Am I preaching right? So it ain't all about you. It's a big picture prayer that you need to be praying. Churches do so much for the community. They're equipping families in their churches for the work of the ministry. This is, a this is a tough time for them, large and small. Larger churches have millions and millions of dollars of budget, but yet many of them are providing millions for missions all over the world. Their income goes away. It not only affects the local community, it affects nations, church planning. It affects the gospel going forth. If you're watching on live stream in this house, if you're watching on a live stream, I want you to know this. You are attending service. If you're watching on a live stream, you are attending service with us. On your screen, you, have, you see the ability if you want to give online. I'm encouraging you to be a giver. So we've made it easier for people in this house to give online. All you got to do is go to one website, Solid Rock Give, SolidRockGive.com. SolidRockGive.com, .net, or .org. We own them all. So if you mess up the last three digits, we got you. SolidRockGive.com, well, all it does is take you directly to our church website giving tab. You can give regularly. You can put up a recurring gift or the instructions to give by text or at SolidRockGive.com. The ministry goes on. Listen, we can't just think about right now and getting through right now. 
we got to think about what we're going to do and who we're going to be when we come out of this. Can I tell you something? And I'm going to probably get in trouble in the comments about what I'm about to say. But this is as good a crowd as I've seen here in months on this day. You know what that tells me? That tells me that people are saying, God, I need you. This is only the beginning. I'm believing that God's going to use this to fill every church on every corner and we're going to see the greatest revival we've ever seen. But we got to be wise and we got to be connected and we got to do what God has called us to do in the meantime. Am I preaching good? Although I'm not preaching, I'm just talking. We're cleaning extra. We have wipes and hand sanitizer. We're extra focused on the elderly and those who have health issues. If you fall into that category, it's totally up to you. You may want to consider watching online until released by officials that the danger is over and subsided. I want to release you as your pastor. That is not a lack of faith. Huh? What's the difference between that and you staying home because you're sick for something else? Some of y'all stay home because you got a cold. It's no different. What's the difference between, between that and you're recovering from surgery and you're watching online and you're staying at home? You're just being pr- wise and prudent. It's not a lack of faith. Don't beat yourself up. If you do not know how to live stream, if you're an elderly person and you decide to stay home and you don't know how to live stream, you don't know how to use your phone to watch videos, then here's what I want you to do. If you want to learn how to live stream and you don't know how to do it, this ain't embarrassing, raise your hand right now. If you want to learn how to live stream. One. Anybody else? Two, three. All right. Hold those hands up. I want everybody to see them. Young people, you see those hands? You see those hands? Any more hands? I want you to look at the faces in the hands. It is, it, it is upon the youth and the younger generation, I'm asking you to make sure that those people, you help them. Come on, come on, amen, amen. You're going to go to them, you're going to get their phones, and you're going to help them and show them how to do it. Praise God. Anybody else that wants to learn how to live stream, you think that might come up, stop by the desk, tell Amy, hey, I need somebody to show me. Are you with me? And the last thing I want to say before I take the rest of this time to preach the gospel is, you know, I read the proclamation by by President Trump, which was a powerful proclamation, y'all. I don't care how you feel about the man. That was powerful. Whether you think he wrote it or not, somebody wrote it and put his name on it. And it was powerful. And it was spoken over this nation. I'll tell you something else that was pretty powerful that I saw last night about President Trump. He tweeted out last night about fell out of my chair. He said, to all of the churches tomorrow, thank you for what you're doing for the community, whatever, He said, please join me as I'm being safe and watching church online. He said, tomorrow I want to encourage everyone to join me as I watch the live services of Pastor Jensen Franklin. Praise God. A Holy Ghost tongue-talking Pentecostal. One of the most prominent Pentecostal tongue-talking men of God in the world. Donald Trump tweeted, The church I chose to watch was a Pentecostal church 
Who knows? I ain't saying. I'm going to watch the replay when I get home. I just want to know what Jensen said. Which, by the way, he'll be preaching here sooner than you can even imagine. It's in the works. If we'll be obedient, church, this, is, this could be the revival. This could be it. Because you understand that the Word of God promises two diametrically opposed things are going to be happening at the same time at the last days. Read Matthew 24. In the last days you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. Huh? Famine. Pestilence. Which is what this is. Earthquakes in various places. Storms everywhere. Unexplainable. Signs in the heaven and the earth beneath. Are you hearing me? Men will tremble. Men will be gripped with fear. And in that day, there shall be a great falling away. To even the very elect shall be deceived by the words of the enemy. Preachers all over the world have been preaching for years about the great falling away. Well, I'm going to preach it because it's in the Bible. But I've always erred on the side. If I'm going to err in the theologically err not, and not preach something enough, I'm not going to preach as much about the great falling away as I am about what else is going to happen at the exact moment. Because when he talks about the signs of the heavens and the earth beneath, go back and read the book of Joel. And the book of Joel talks about the sun going black. talks about all the signs in the heavens and the earth beneath. And then it says, and in that day, when you see the signs of Matthew 24 happening before you, in that day I shall pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall... In that day, while everybody else is falling away, I'm going to bring the greatest outpouring of the Holy Ghost this world has ever seen. You got to choose which side you're going to be on. Hebrews 12, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. This is the last day Scripture. For if they did not escape him who refused him who spoke on earth, Jesus, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him, capital H, who speaks from heaven, Jesus. God, whose voice then shook the earth. But now, watch this, he has promised. How many knows he's faithful to complete everything he's promised? He has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as of things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And if that wasn't shouting loud enough, verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Oh, somebody ought to praise him for a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Be 
smart, be diligent, but don't be shaken. Many are bound up this morning in a prison. They're bound up in a jail cell of fear. Bound by the words of the world. Listen to the experts. Listen to those that have studied this. I'm not saying they don't know what they're talking about. I'm not saying they're not giving you the advice that you need and that you should heed. But let me ask you something. If you go to your doctor who you love and trust and your doctor diagnoses you with a chronic, uncurable disease, you listen to him, you hear him or her, you may take the medication. I'm encouraging you to do so. Take the treatments. But as a, as, as a believer, you heard them, you're heeding them, but you do not fully accept that diagnosis for your life. Whose report are you going to believe? We're going to believe the report of the Lord. So we're not denying that the facts are real. We're not denying the danger is real. We're not denying that the best thing for us to do is to do in the natural what they've told us to do. But all they can tell us to do is what we can do in the natural. There is another realm at work here. The supernatural. I've already seen, as I said earlier, the evidence of fear gripping people at this time. I know people who are doing the right thing, but most are gripped in fear. I want to say this from my heart. We did not get to this place overnight. We have been in a slow fade as a church and as a nation. Have you ever heard the term the greatest generation? It's called that because it's the World War II generation. It's called the greatest generation because when Pearl Harbor was bombed and we injected ourselves into the world war against Germany and Japan and the Axis enemies, as our young boys went to war, and many women as well on the front line serving, those that were back home took on a level of commitment as rare in the history of humanity that we've ever seen. People, housewives, who knew nothing but had been trained how to take care of a home and to, and to raise a baby, went to work in factories making tanks. Companies who were doing well in the roaring 30s and 40s had made tre tremendous amount of money coming out of the Great Depression, chose as companies to stop making what they were making that made them wealthy and start creating and making things to help our men fight in battle. Sacrifice upon sacrifice upon sacrifice. Can I say this with love and with respect? And I don't mean this to be demeaning to anybody. And this is not towards any age group. This actually is towards every age group. And the truth be known, 
I see more older people, uh, my, 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 my age, and even a little bit younger and a little bit older. I'm not talking about even necessarily senior citizens, but my age. I see more of them walking in fear than I do see some of the young people walking in fear. But can I tell you something? I don't know. I know anything's possible if we're thrust into it. I don't know, and I personally think we could never do that again as a nation. This nation is too spoiled. You see the reaction of what is happening happened this week. How everyone has gone into the grip and the prison of fear instead of rising up and doing whatever they needed to do. We didn't get here overnight. Nowadays when a tragedy happens, horrible tragedy happens, whether it be a tornado, a hurricane, a mass shooting, well, it's been the thing that we say as politicians and, and as people in front of a camera. First, let me say before we go any further, our thoughts and our prayers are for the, with the people of dot, dot, dot. I'm not saying that everybody that ever says that is genuine. That's just has been in our culture that when tragedy happens, we need to remind our people to put those people in the thoughts and prayers. But now we have a generation who will come out openly now and say, I've seen it time and time again in the last few years. I'm sick of you saying your thoughts and prayers are with me. And I understand where they're coming from and their frustration. Your thoughts and prayers are not doing anything is what they're saying. So we need legislation. We need this. We need to take away that. We need to do this. We need to do that. Keep your prayers in your church and leave your prayers away from me. Many have said, I don't want to hear that you are praying for me. I've witnessed, I've witnessed elected officials saying, I don't want to hear you saying you pray for me because I don't believe in your prayers. Well, there's a reason why they feel confident enough to say that. Because we have allowed our nation to become a nation so inwardly focused that we don't even understand prayer anymore. We don't even understand why we pray. It's become a cliche. You want people to stop saying that? Then start, start praying some prayers and expecting results. Start believing God for a church that believes in miracles again. Start believing God for a church to start seeing the supernatural again. Let me tell you something. They can't deny a supernatural miracle. I love that story in the Bible where the blind man was healed by Jesus, and he didn't even really understand what was going on, and he went before the religious people and the priests who didn't believe in healing and didn't believe in Jesus, and they said, let me ask you something. They didn't care about the fact that he was healed. They just wanted to shut down Jesus. They said, do you think he really is who he says he is? I love what the man says. The man looks at the priest and says, well, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I really don't know if he is who he says he is or not. All I know is I once was blind, but now now I see. I got up this morning. I was blind. I'm going to bed tonight. And I can see. Can't deny it. The church has become irrelevant for most parts of the world and this nation especially. In fact, church people are attacking pastors and church people for making decisions to even go to church today. 
are making the decision to not go to church today. Attacking pastors for making the decision to have an extra cleaning in the house just to make people feel safe. It's easy for you to say when that pressure is not on you. Will the real church please stand up? He did, listen, this is what he said. This is how they'll know you're my disciples, that you love one another. That's why the people don't believe in the church anymore and don't believe that we're his disciples is because we don't act like we love one another. It's 11.32 if you need to take a pill. I ain't used that joke in a while. I'm going to tell you something. There's a line being drawn in the sand. Make no mistake about it, we are in a very serious situation. Pastors that I trust who have been in meetings with CDC officials and people that they trust. Not that I don't trust the CDC officials, but I trust these pastors to speak from a biblical perspective. And in, in, in watching private videos with them and private messages that are not made public and conversations with them, they have said, this is not the flu. This is worse than the flu. It's more dangerous than the flu. The flu is unbelievably dangerous, but this is not the flu. This is a very serious pandemic. So I take it very serious. But cancer is serious. AIDS is very serious. Heart disease is serious. But it is finished is serious. Jesus is serious. The devil has tried to bind us up and shut us up. He has tried to use separation of church and state to put us in a prison. He has tried to bind my hands to keep me from preaching the gospel. You don't want to shake my hand? You don't have to shake my hand. You don't want to shake a single person's hand? You don't have to shake a single blah, 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 blah. Shake a single person's hand. That doesn't make me question your faith. But don't ask me not to preach the gospel. Because I got news for you. I'll respect everything until you come up to that line. When you cross that line and tell me that I got to stop saying greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. When you cross that line and you tell me why don't you stop saying he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. When you tell me to stop that brother, when you tell me to stop that sister, you have crossed the line. Fear is a liar. It's bondage. It's like a cancer eating away at your joy. You can't focus when you're in hostage, when you're a hostage to fear, to worry, which breeds doubt. Paul and Silas were in bondage. They were preaching the gospel and they got put in jail. But the Bible tells us at the midnight hour. I'm going to tell you, the world going to try to tell you this is the midnight hour, but this ain't the midnight hour, y'all. I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but it's going to get worse before it gets better. You need to know God's Word told us it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The, the sheep and the goats are being separated right now. Put that scripture back up there. 
But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the what? Leave that up there. And the prisoners were listening to him. My God, I was looking over my notes last night, and I about shouted over all of my house. Because I've preached this so many times, but there were certain things that jumped out. Why? Because that's what I love about the Word of God. The Word of God is the only book that, depending on the season that you're in, will cause you to see things that you never saw that was always in there. I thought, good Lord, those that are bound up in fear are watching to see what we do. Are y'all hearing me? They're in the same prison, but they ain't at the level that you're at. They know they done heard about you. They done heard about your faith. And y'all got news for you. They are watching you because you got the same diagnosis that they got. What are you going to do? They were going to be killed the next day. Guess what begins at midnight? The next day. So it's very key that on the day of the death sentence, all the prisoners stood up, went to the edge of their cell, stuck their ear up as far as they could in between the bars, and wanted to hear what the mighty man, men of God, were going to say. See, the world is watching us. And they're expecting us to cower. They're expecting us to blame God. Where are you at, God? What kind of loving God would let this happen? That's what they want to hear us say. But at the midnight hour, at the midnight cry, my mind just went back. We'll be going home when Jesus steps out. Call his children. Thank you for a uh, preacher's kid. I ain't sang that song in 30 years. At the midnight cry. My God, that's what I heard. At the midnight hour. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. What they going to do? Suddenly, somebody shout suddenly. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Remember what I just read to you about Hebrews chapter 12, when God speaks, the earth shakes. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Watch this. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The prison wasn't shaken. The prison was shaking because the foundations of the prison were shaken. It's one thing for the house to shake, but God said, I was shaking the footer. I was shaking the block. I was shaking the concrete. I was shaking the dirt beneath it. The foundations of this nation are being shaken right now. The core of who we are is being shaken right now. And immediately, the doors were open. And everyone's chains were loosed. Hold up a minute. Take that off the screen. Whose chains were loosed? 
y'all didn't hear what I just said to you. I just read what y'all. We preached the chains fell off of Paul and Silas. But when Paul and Silas prayed at the midnight hour and the foundation shook, every prisoner in that house was set free. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. They're watching you. They're watching me. And when God does it for us, can we not believe that God will do it for our neighborhoods, that God will do it for our city, that God will do it for our state, that God will do it for our nation? They are watching you. They are listening to you. What are you saying? And everyone's chains were loose. And the keeper, the jailer, the keeper of the prison, awoke from sleep, seeing the prison doors open, immediately thinking all the prisoners had fled. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now, wait a minute. You did not hear that. You heard it, but you didn't hear it. Every prisoner's chains and every prisoner's door was open, but nobody left. It wasn't just Paul and Silas. He said, we are all here. Why would you want to leave a place where you just surrendered everything to God? Chains was broken. And you saw something that you ain't never seen before. Oh, I could get up and run right now. But outside is waiting for me the very thing that brought me in here. I need to hang around these two dudes. Because they got something. We are all here. Every prisoner is still here. No one has left. Don't kill yourself. Oh, my God, I could preach this for two hours. Then he called for a light. Oh, my God, I could stop right there. This all happened in the middle of darkness. There was no light. He was asleep. He done blew the candle out. They were singing, not in the, just in the middle of a death sentence. They were not just singing, chained up, bound up, and in prison. They were singing in the darkest, deepest, dampest, sickest pandemic that you could be in. Rats were gnawing at their feet. It was the worst condition ever. And my God, all he could hear was their voice. But he said, if it's true, I need to see it with my own eyes. I hear you. Somebody light a torch. He looked inside there. Skinny. Dying. Diseased. Flogged. Beaten. Dirty men. The light was 
spine. This is what they'd see. When he went to sleep, they saw him chained, crying, cursing. And every time that torch would go in a cell, he'd see him going. Being lost in the power of God. ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out, walked them out of the cell, and looked at them and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You better know that when God does what he's about to do in the body of Christ, you better know some of the least likely, the town drunk, the drug dealer. I'm talking about one that slept with everything that's walking and breathing. I'm talking about every, the one you least likely is going to show up and see your faith sustain you through this stuff. And they're going to see something in you that they ain't seen in the world. And they're going to say, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to be like you? I want to have what you have. And the answer is not come to my church and meet my pastor. The answer is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Oh, I love what he says, and this is a promise to us right now. You and your household. I'm almost through. Had a lot of talking to do today. Some of y'all done checked out online because you ain't used to a preacher preaching this long. Maybe that's what you need. Somebody, you need a preacher that preaches more than 27 minutes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. How many knows I love it when people take God at what he says. So this is what happens. He heard that. But, what, but he heard what he needed to be to be saved. Because the first question is, what must I do to be saved? He did it. But then he heard the household part. He said, well, if that's the case, come on, go with me. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And he took them to the house, to his house, the jailer's house. And he spoke the word to all who were in the house. And he took them that same hour of the night the jailer, and washed the stripes, washed the stripes of Paul and Silas. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he brought them into the house, he set food before them. And he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And the last thing I want to tell you is this. Don't be surprised. The very one that tried to destroy you. If you do what God is calling you to do in this time and carry yourself with integrity and character and get your eyes and your minds off of yourself and stop being so selfish, the very ones that thought they would destroy you will be the ones that will come and wash your wounds and wash your feet. There's just something about that. Last night when I was reading this over and over and over, and at that same hour of the night,
He washed their stripes. I'm thinking about stripes. I'm thinking about Jesus took 39 stripes on his back for our healing. So, you know, God, I've never really done a word study on stripes. So I looked up the word stripes in this scripture. And it literally means word pledge, 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 P-L-E-G-E. It is where we get our word plague. In the Strong's Concordance, it tells us that five times in Scripture it's used to mean an actual strike, which it is used here for, the, for that meaning. But 12 times the same word is the word is defined as this in Strong's Concordance. Pelegi means to a stroke and by implication, figuratively, a calamity or a plague. When Jesus took stripes upon his back, the reason he says by his stripes you are healed is because the same word that is used for stripes is used for calamity, chaos, and plague or pandemic. So every stripe on his back represented a plague sent from hell upon the people of God. And Jesus took them on himself. It's what the word means. So when he wiped his stripes, the very Roman government that hated Jesus and hated the concept of Christianity was now tending to the wounds of the attack that the man of God had come under. That is revival. Are you willing to wipe the wounds of your brothers and sisters that have been fighting and standing in the gap. This is the moment. You watch it online. If you stayed with me, I appreciate you staying with me. Because I had to do some talking. I had to do some talking. Just go ahead and kneel, brother. Just go ahead and kneel before the Lord. Talk to God. I had to share my heart on some things. to speak to you and try to calm your hearts today but more than anything to tell you first of all I love you Jesus loves you and healing is in this house can we lift our hands right where we're at just begin to pray right now to yourself over your family if you're sitting next to your family, pray for your, pray for your wife. Pray for your husband. Pray. Pray. It's all right. Just leave him alone, y'all. Step back. Step back. Step back. Just step back. Step back. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Let him pray. Let him pray. He's just praying. Everybody just pray. Everybody just pray. Step, raise your hand. Begin to pray over your family. Begin to pray over your marriage. 
Pray over your finances. Pray over your mind. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for each and every person's mind. God, I declare that their minds are settled. Peace that passes all understanding over their mind. Look at me, church. I want to say something to you. Put your hands down. Look at me. I want to show you something about your hands. Everybody look, look at your hands. I want to show you something. Look at them. Look at them. Tell the power of your hands. The Bible says, Jesus said, where any two or three of you touch and agree, whatever you believe and declare here on earth shall be done of your Father which is in heaven. It's power, touching and agreement. He goes on to say in Mark chapter 16, you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Ultimately, this is an attack against the body of Christ to try to close down the church, but more so to try to bring fear in our hearts to take away the one thing the church is known for, and that's love and fellowship and prayer. Hang on, brother. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Y'all pray for him. I'm coming, I'm coming back to you, brother. If your kids are sick, you've got to lay hands on your kids, and you've got to pray. If you're going through something, you've got to lay hands on people that ask you in your family to pray for you. And not be afraid of your family and if they ask it. That's why it says if you're sick, listen to what it says. If you're sick, let them call for the elders of the church. In other words, you want to be prayed for, you make the call. Go to the elders and say, I need prayer. When you do that, you release the elders to pray for you. The elders don't hunt you down and make you receive prayer. This is an attack against the church. But the devil is a liar. Let's do it one more time. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe you are able and you are bigger than any disease, any virus. As my hands are raised, I surrender my life to you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to forgive me of any sin I've ever committed. Now, from this day forward, I'm asking you, Lord, let me be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Give me wisdom to only do what you tell me to do. Never what my flesh says or even my ego only what your spirit has quickened me to do. We will be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We will represent you in the jail cell, in the darkness, and in the prison of this fear. We will break out by our praise, and the world will see the church has not lost its power. In the name of Jesus. Everybody shout. Come on, give him a praise. Come on, give him a praise. Get up on your feet all over this house and praise him for a church that still has the power, the power of God. We have the answer. We have the answer.